on, how many of y'all are excited to be here at United Church? Come on, let's give it up for our Milford campus. Come on, how many of y'all are excited that we have a Milford campus? Amazing, man, what an amazing journey that all of this has been. I can tell you this is that if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Nick and I have the honor of serving under one of the greatest leaders um, of all and his name is Pastor Kenneth. If you don't know him, you need to know him and it's such an amazing team that we get to be a part of. And so um, we've, we started this series, Chasing Purpose, last week and uh, kicking off, continuing through the book of Acts and it's been absolutely amazing and I love the whole idea of chasing purpose and recently, um, it is summertime, and so I've had the honor of seeing a lot of people chase their purpose through marriage. There's been a lot of weddings taking place. Come on, this is wedding season. If you didn't know, now you know, but even better than that, it's as if like COVID kind of like paused all the weddings, and now there's just an explosion. Like people are dropping to a knee, I do, I do, I do, and I'm doing, I do in a lot of the weddings for them, and so it's, it's, it's awesome. But it made me, it made me flash back uh, to my own wedding, and uh, I have been married for seven and a half years. Come on, somebody. If you're clapping, you should be clapping for my beautiful wife who had to put up with me for seven and a half years. Actually, more than that, because we dated for like four and a half. It was like the long-term date and then long-term marriage. Come on, somebody. And uh, it's, been, it's been absolutely amazing. But my wife, if you don't know anything about her, you need to know um, three things. One, she is gorgeous. Um, she is stunning and she is beautiful. Those are the only three things you need to know. But, and, she's, and she's put up with me. So going back to our wedding, here's, here's what every person dreams of, okay? Every, every girl has probably dreamt of their wedding since they were like one years old, maybe one and a half. Um, every guy has dreamt of his wedding since the night before the wedding. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just been, it's, it's a dream day. And everybody wants their wedding to be perfect, right? It's, it's your wedding day. It's supposed to be one of the best days of your life. And ours was. And so let me just lay this out for you. So we get married and uh, the, the actual ceremony, everything was, everything was beautiful, it was amazing. Okay, like all of our groomsmen, like dressed to the nines, our bridesmaids dressed to the nines, like everybody was amazing. It was what you would call the perfect day. We got married in December, it even snowed on our wedding day. Like it, it, it didn't get better than that. If you don't like snow, it's probably not good, but I love snow. And so anyway, everything was going so well. My beautiful bride was coming down the aisle. I had tears in my eyes. We kissed, we said I do, we said our vows, we exchanged rings. And then we get to the reception. And the reception was going great. I can see you guys are a little nervous, all right? The reception was going great, it really was. I mean, it, it couldn't get better. But the whole time I was nervous for one moment and and, and it wasn't the first dance. It wasn't like the bouquet toss. It wasn't the speeches. Well, I was a little nervous about that. But it, it, it was the cake cutting. It was the cake cutting, okay? I didn't know what to expect. I'm 20 something years old. I don't even know how old I am, 21. And uh, we get to the cake cutting and I had heard theories of what you're supposed to do. I've heard rumors, I've seen videos. This is kind of before Pinterest, I think. And so like I've just, I've seen uh, videos of like what you're supposed to do. And I was a little bit nervous, but to make matters worse, I had a cousin who came up to me and just planted some really bad thoughts in my head. 
He said, hey, Nick, here's, here's what you need to understand. You're about to step into this pivotal moment of your marriage. I said, I'm listening. He said, you guys are gonna cut the cake and you're each gonna take a piece. You're gonna do the whole cute thing where you wrap arms and then you feed each other. I said, okay. And he said, you have to understand she is going to try to smash this cake in your face and you have to do it first. I was like, done, like say no more. Like wedding day to the side, it's now game day. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, I'm like hyping myself up. Like, here we go, here we go. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready. And, and, and I don't know why I was viewing my wife as an opponent <laughs> at this moment, but I had the cake and I'm literally shaking with the cake in my hand. I kid you not, something came over me. We get to this moment and I lost control of my arm and I turned into a D1 football player and just boom, like, like boom. Like you may think, yeah, right. Like you probably just like got a smudge. No, like I almost broke her neck. And um, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty graphic. And, uh, and so I'm gonna show you an image of this in just a moment, in just a moment, not yet, in just a moment. I'm gonna show you an image, but I need to set this up because I've actually never publicly shown this picture really anywhere. Only a few people have seen this picture. Um, and technically this picture doesn't even exist. So the picture you're about to see is actually a picture of a screen on the camera that took it and he deleted it. But somebody used this years later against me. And so that's why I have this, have this image. And so I'm gonna show you this picture. I promise you it's not as, it was way worse than it really is. So we can show the picture now. Yeah, I know, listen, yeah, it's pretty bad, okay? I fully understand that, it's, it's pretty bad. That is her neck, okay, this is, Look at her, she's just a beautiful angel. Like why would she deserve this? I don't know. And, and look at this horrific man that she married. <laughs> and so that was me. And, um, and it was in this moment, I realized this really good, good day turned into a really bad day, <laughs> like really fast. And so we just signed our marriage certificate. I thought I was gonna have to sign a divorce certificate, like right there, same day. It's like, you ever done this before? Pastor Kenneth married us, like, not sure how this is gonna work. And, um, but hey, it, get, it, it gets worse, okay? The bad day gets badder. Um, so we, we end this moment and there's some deleted scenes that we won't speak of after this, but we end this moment and we, we end the reception and we go to the hotel and we get ready um, for, we had a honeymoon in Jamaica, which I was so excited. I was like, okay, this will redeem anything bad <laughs> that happened. Um, and I was thinking, you know, this is, this is like our first time traveling anywhere internationally together. And so I was like, oh, it says you have to arrive two hours early. Ah, you just, we'll get there an hour early. Like they, they just say that for the people who don't have their stuff together. We get there an hour early. The guy says, sir, I'm sorry that you have missed your flight. Mr. Flight, I know, it's sad. Thank you for um, providing with me. Uh, you may think, okay, that's not a big deal. Just catch the next flight out. Yeah, the next flight was the next day, okay? And so not only did we miss the flight, we missed a day at the resort. And you may say, wow, this is really ending badly. It did. <laughs> um, but I can assure you, that bad day got better in the days to come. Come on, somebody, we are still happily married. Come on, seven and a half years strong. And it has, uh, 
it's gotten much better since that day. But many of us, we've, we've, we've had bad days. And now I know comparatively, you're like, I don't know if we've had that bad of a day, but um, we've had some bad days. And as you're chasing your purpose, how many of you know that you are going to come across some bad days when it comes to the greatest thing that you're chasing? You're gonna come across some bad days. You see, this isn't just true for us. It's not just true for you. This was true for the Christians in the early church. As we've been reading through the book of Acts, we've seen some amazing things happen. Come on, Peter, John, the disciples, they're doing miracles. Like people are getting saved by the thousands. But they also had some bad days. One in particular we're gonna look at involved a man named Stephen. Pastor Kenneth mentioned him last week as he introduced him. We're gonna look about how Stephen had one of the worst days, not just in his life, but in the life of the early church and how Stephen gives us a method, three keys to make it through a bad day. And so if you're taking notes, you can put on the top of your notepad, on the top of your phone, on the top of your tablet, on the top of your arm with a Sharpie, whatever you wanna do, you can put how to make it through a bad day how to make it through a bad day. And then you can jump with me to the book of Acts, chapter six, verse eight. And I'm gonna give you the whole narrative and then we're gonna look at his method of making it through. Verse eight says this, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and uh, from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God, and they stirred up some haters, people, and the elders and scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like that of an angel. Just pause right here. You got these men who were so angry at Stephen and the early Christians that they were like, hey, I don't like that they're talking about this Jesus guy again. And so they're not really doing anything wrong, but we're gonna make it seem like they're doing stuff wrong. And so they start spreading rumors about them. And how many of you know, is as you're chasing your purpose, as you're chasing your dreams, you got haters that are so mad that just start making stuff up about you because they don't like where you are. And so anyway, that's kind of what was happening with Stephen. And then the council looked at Stephen And they asked him a question, they said, is this true? And in Acts chapter seven, that first half, Stephen goes on to tell, he he doesn't even answer the question. Instead, he goes on to tell the history of Israel and how these religious leaders all throughout history have always missed the point of who God was. Always missed the point. And so he says all these things. And then at the end of his speech, he calls them a stiff-necked people. He's like, you stubborn sons of guns. (laughs) 
you guys have always gotten it wrong. And then they got angry with him even more so. And this is where we find Stephen, Acts chapter seven, verse 54, this is what it says. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him. Then they cast him against them. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is a bad day for Stephen. It was a really bad day. A day so bad that it led in his death. It was also a bad day for the early church, right? Like they were experiencing so much momentum. They were experiencing so much life change. And then this happens to one of their own. So what do you do? What do you do when, when, when you're on the track to where God has called you? You're exactly where you know you should be. Everything is going great and then bam, you hit a bad day. You hit a bad season. You hit a rough patch. What do you do when you're on your way to chasing purpose and some rough days hit you? Stephen gives us three keys. Three keys as we look at his life and the narrative that he lived, we see three keys to make it through a bad day. If you're taking notes, the first one is competence. It's competence. Acts chapter six, verse 10, look at Stephen, the life he lived. He says, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit. They could say anything they wanted to say about him, but when it came to speaking to him, this guy was so wise. He wasn't, like, here's what you have to understand. He wasn't just passionate. You, you meet a lot of passionate people, right? Like you meet a lot of passion, people have all these like crazy ideas, like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna start this, I'm gonna do this, or, or this is what I'm doing. You meet a lot of passionate people, but sometimes you meet these passionate people and they have no idea what they're talking about. You ever meet these people? It's like, like you start to ask them questions, like, like you wanna know more and, and, and they don't know more. <laughs> they're like, yeah, I wanna know more too. See, that wasn't the case with Stephen. As they were coming at him, as they were talking, they said, they couldn't withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was called. You have to understand, so many people quit on their dreams. They quit on the purpose that God has called them to, not because they're not passionate about it, because they don't have the ambition to know enough about it. When haters come, when people start questioning, when people start asking why. Listen, if you're called to something, you better know more about that calling than anybody else in the books. And it's okay to do so. Listen, sometimes, sometimes um, Christians are like too humble for their own good. You know what I mean? And, and what I mean by that is like, I think sometimes we think it is like arrogant to wanna be the best in our field 
We think it might be arrogant to wanna be the best or do the best or, or achieve the most. Y'all, if God has put a calling on your life, you better do it for the glory of God, meaning put your very best at what he has called you to. Meaning you are giving the best out of your gift and you are getting the best out of the one who gave you that gift. Come on, Stephen, they couldn't withstand him because of the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Meaning he wasn't just, he didn't just know about a lot about the gifting and the calling that he had, but he knew a lot about the one who called him. Can you say that about your life? Come on, you're on this, you've, you've got this passion and this ambition, but have you just coasted? Like you just know enough to get by. You just know enough to get through. Or are you constantly grinding, wanting to be the best and know the best and know the most about what God has called you to do? There's a pastor, his name is J.D. Greer. He says this quote, he says, he says this, he says, let me free you. It's okay to wanna be the best at what you do. It's okay to want to achieve as much as you can with your life for the sake of the God who gave it to you. I sincerely doubt God is going to look at you at the end of your life and say, you did too much for me. But I do sincerely believe that God is going to look at many people and say, you are too humble for your own good and the good of countless people you could have impacted if you had a little more ambition. Come on, if God has placed a calling, a passion, a purpose on your life, do whatever it takes to give him the absolute best by being the most confident in it that you can be. Stephen had confidence, they couldn't withstand him. That's the first key. The second thing that Stephen had was confidence. It's confidence. Acts chapter six, verse 15, it says this. It says, and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Looking at him, all of them saw that his face was like that as an angel. And I'm not saying like he was just pretty, okay? That's not what he meant there. Like he, he may have been a good looking guy. But commentators, as they, as they remarked on this passage, they said, it wasn't the beauty of his face, but it was the peace in his face. They said Stephen was so full of peace, he had no fear and he had confidence of what God had called him to. In a place, in a moment where Stephen could have easily been filled with anxiety, the, he knew what these men were about to do. Like the, the, it wasn't a surprise to him that he was about to die. He was like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Listen, as you're chasing your purpose, are you, are you standing in confidence in the purpose that you're chasing? And you have to understand that confidence is not the same thing as arrogance. You may hear confidence and you're like, well, you know, I, I, I don't wanna come off as like too strong or, or, or like I know, I'm a know-it-all or anything. Confidence is very different than arrogance. Arrogance pushes people away Confidence draws people in. Arrogance, arrogance comes out of a place of insecurity with yourself. Confidence comes from a place of security in God. There's a difference. There's a difference. 
And what I see so often is that people have this, this, this purpose stirring in their heart, this dream in their heart, but it sits stagnant because they never have the confidence to open the door. Never have the confidence to open the door. They're waiting for the, the, the perfect time, the perfect moment, the perfect season, the perfect, the, the perfect education. They're waiting for the perfect moment to be able to use the gifts and the calling that God, listen, there is no perfect moment. Like if God has placed something inside of you, use it. But we think so much that our, our confidence has anything to do with us. And we think that we have to believe in ourselves and be confident in ourselves. And I'm sorry, but if you think that you're not good enough to use the gifts that you have, some of that may be true. And you don't have to be good enough. You were never meant to be good enough. You were never meant to be confident in yourself. Paul tells us this. Paul tells us in the book of Philippians chapter one, verse six, this is what he says. He says, being confident of this, that he, not you, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, being confident in this, that he who started it, not you, not you who started this business, not you who started this family, not you who started this passion, not you who's, no, being confident that he who started this business he who started this family, he who started this dream will see it through, will see it through. It has nothing to do with you other than God wants to use you to do it. Very little to do with you, very little. But what are, what are the, the dreams, the purpose, the, the callings that are on your life that you have placed on hold because you thought it depended on your confidence? It doesn't, it doesn't. I wonder if today, come on, I, I wonder if there's, there's, there's businesses waiting to thrive, waiting to begin. I wonder if, if there's kids waiting to be born. I wonder, if there, I, I wonder if there's families waiting to start. I wonder if there are dreams waiting to come alive based on you switching your confidence from yourself to God. Say, God, I, I knew I could have never done this, but I knew that you always intended to. So I'm gonna step in and do it. I'm not good enough, but you are, but you are. Listen, I love, I love this, this image. If you've ever seen a, a, a young child taking their first steps, you ever, you ever, you ever watch this? You ever watch this? They're like, they're like so wobbly, like, like really, really shaky. They're, they're taking this, their first steps. They're not confident in their own legs. <laughs> Like they're, they're, they have zero confidence in, in their selves. If you've watched this, the beauty of all of this is when you see a parent on the other side, like waiting for them, like, come on, come on, boy, you got this, you got this, come on, keep it coming, keep it coming, you're almost there, you're almost there. And, 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 and they start looking at the father, they start looking at the mother and they take those steps. Come on, that's the beauty of what you were created to do. You were never meant... You were never meant to put your confidence in your own self. You just keep looking at the Father. Just keep walking towards Him. He's gonna take your next step with you. He's gonna be there to hold you, to catch you. He's the one your confidence should be in. It's Him. It's Him. And Stephen knew that. He knew that. He goes, look, obviously nothing, nothing I say or do is gonna change anything. I'm at peace. I'm confident in who God is. I wonder what could happen 
in your life for your purpose, for your calling, if you stepped in to the confidence that God has given you. The last thing that Stephen shows us, he says, we need to have, we need to have be competent, confidence, and the last one is continuance. Continuance. Don't quit. Don't stop. You see, it would have been easy for Stephen at this moment to just throw in the towel, just like, hey, I, I, this, this got out of hand. I don't know how we got here, but man, I don't wanna end it here. And it would have been easy for him to quit. And you may be hearing this message, you may be hearing this story, and you're like, Pastor Nate, hold on. You said to title this, how to make it through a bad day. Stephen didn't make it through. Like, you're, you're, you're compromising your own story. And I would say that you've missed the entire point of this message. It was never intended for Stephen to make it through. Stephen knew, Stephen knew that his purpose wasn't just to see tomorrow. Stephen knew, you think, you think Stephen was like, no, no, the purpose of my life is to live to about 85, 88, you know, get a nice retirement in place and, you know, settle down with the grandkids. Stephen knew that, hey, there's, there's more than just the days on this earth. There's a kingdom at hand. Like there's a purpose at hand. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm not just living for my life tomorrow. I'm living for eternity forever. And, and that's what I'm making it to. Because you know what happened after this? Acts chapter 11, we see Stephen's story is recounted and this is, this is what it says. It says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that rose over Stephen, listen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Serene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Look, and a great number who believe Turn to the Lord. You know, one of the worst days was actually a setup for some of the best days. How many, how many of you know that, that sometimes the, the mountain that's in front of you that you're praying for, God, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this, God, I, this is all I can see, it's just right in front of me. How many of you know that the mountain that's in front of you will one day be the miracle that's behind you? You just gotta keep going. You just gotta see it through. You just gotta keep trekking. Because for Stephen, all he may have seen right there was death. For the early church, they scattered because they, 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 they actually scattered in fear because they were being persecuted. But you know what happened when they were scattered is they were actually more effective in spreading the message of Jesus. Come on, what if the mountain that's in front of you was meant to be the miracle that's behind you?
And you know the best part of this entire story? Best part, my favorite part, is if you remember, at the stoning of Stephen, there was a man. It says, the leaders laid their garments at the foot of a young man named Saul. In the beginning of, of Acts chapter eight, the chapter afterwards, it says, Saul gave the approval of the stoning of Stephen. Saul was one of the largest persecutors of the early church, killing Christians, placing them in prisons. But you may also know Saul under the name Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament and actually was a part of Acts 11 in the spreading of the gospel message of Jesus. Come on, the mountain that was in front of Stephen named Saul was one day the miracle of a man named Paul who actually took place in the miracle of Stephen's life that happened after this. I just wonder if your worst day is actually a setup of some of your best days that are to come. Come on, I just wonder if, if that bad day in your marriage, some of your worst days in your marriage, God is actually gonna use as some of your best days that are yet to come. Some of the worst days in your business, come on, some of the worst days in your family, God is saying, it's not over yet, son. Come on, it's not over yet, daughter. There's more that I have for you. If you would just continue, if you would just continue. Look, I believe there are people in here who have given up on the purpose that God has placed in front of them because they had a lack of competence, because you had a lack of confidence and because of that, you had a lack of continuance, you just gave up. But today is a new day. Come on, today, I believe there's some of you in here, some of you online that need to hear me say, God is not done with you. <laughs> Your best days are in front of you. They're not behind you. I believe that what you thought was gonna put you back, God is actually gonna use to place you forward and you can make it, you can make it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I just want you to create some space between you and God. Here's what I would ask is what if God wanted to use your worst day to set you up for some of your best days? Come on, what if there's a story in your life that you thought you had to bury that? Come on, you thought you had to do away with that? But God's like, no, the very thing that you got through, I wanna use for you. I believe there's some people even in this room who have given up on God because you thought he gave up on you. I believe there's some people online watching. You might be too skeptical to even step into church. And you've given up on God because you thought that he was giving up on you. And today you need to know that not for a minute were you forsaken. 
Come on. In Stephen's worst moment, he looked up at heaven and the only time in scripture, it says that Jesus was standing at the right hand of the Father where he is typically seated, he was standing as if to give Stephen an applause, as if to give Stephen approval to say, I'm still with you. Church today, no matter where you are, you need to know that the God who was with you on your best days is still with you on your bad days. And he wants to see you through. Maybe today you realize I I need to grow more in his spirit and get closer with him and be competent in who he is. I need to grow more in the calling and the passions and the purpose that he's placed on my life. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to give him the absolute best so I will be the absolute best. Maybe today some of you realize you've been placing way too much pressure on confidence in yourself. And this world is missing the giftings that God has placed inside of you. And today you need to take a step and put your confidence in him. Maybe today you just need to be reminded, hey, keep going, keep going. There's more in you. There's more in you. In your marriage, keep going. Keep going. In your business, keep going. Your family, keep going. Your relationship with God, keep going. There's more that's in front of you than what's behind you. What you thought was gonna take you out, come on, God is going to use to bring others closer to him. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, right now, God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that today we would walk away with a different perspective than ever before. Lord, understanding that, Lord, we're not just going to endure a bad day, Lord, but we're gonna thrive and make it past our worst days. God, because you got better days ahead of us. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you would fill them with competence in what you've called them to, in confidence of who you are and continuance in the race that they're on. Lord, I give you praise and glory for what you're gonna continue to do in all of our lives in Jesus' name.